We're marching along through the journals of Thoreau by incremental creeping along with year by year. <laughs> now it's 1842, and now Thoreau is, would you say he's 24? Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, he's born in, did we say 17? Mm -hmm. He could be 25, so wait, 20, whatever, close enough. 1842, in January, Thoreau's brother John died, if you recall, and the blow left an enduring mark. The first shock is, in fact, almost paralyzed Thoreau's writing. There are no journal entries for more than a month after John's death. How far Thoreau recovered, we are not sure, since the Extant journal ends for all practical purposes in April, with only a few entries surviving for the rest of the year. Notwithstanding, he published his first na nature essay in the dial in the guise of an extended book review and more of his poems, uh, including one to Mary Russet. He began to help too with the editing of the dial, which is a transcendentalist magazine by and Margaret Fuller helped with that. Remember how Margaret Fuller should be well known, more well known, according to that Susan Cheever woman uh, from who wrote uh, Bloomsbury, wrote. Uh, uh, Anyways, January 8th, what offends me most in my compositions is the moral element in them. The repentant say never a brave word. What does he mean by these statements? The repentant say never a brave word. I don't always get it. Their resolves should be mumbled in silence. Strictly speaking, morality is not healthy. Those undeserved joys which come uncalled make us more pleased and grateful as they that sing. Do you understand this? Mm -hmm. You do? March 11, we can only live healthily the life that gods assign us. Hmm. I must receive my life as passively as the willow leaf that flutters over the brook. I must not be for myself, but God's work, and that is always good. I will wait the, wait the breeze... His brother already died. I will wait the breezes patiently and grow as nature shall determine. My fate cannot be but be grand, so we may live the life of a plant or an animal without living an animal life. This constant and universal content of the animal comes of resting quietly in God's palm. 
I feel as if I could at any time resign my life and the responsibility of living into God's hands and become an in, as innocent, free from care as a plant or stone. My life, my life, why will you linger? Are the years short and the months of no account? How often has long delay quenched my aspirations? Can God afford that I should forget him? Is he so indifferent to my career? Does God pay attention to your career? Mm -hmm. He does? Okay. Can heaven be propounded? Propo, pros, can heaven be postponed with no more ado? Why were my ears given to hear those everlasting strains which haunt my life and yet to be profaned much more by these perpetual dull sounds? March 17th, Thursday, I have been making pencils all day. Remember, they had a pencil factory. It's a major thing with the Thoreau pencils. Thoreau pencils. Uh -huh. I have been making pencils all day, and then at evening walked to see an old schoolmate who is going to help make the well on canal navigable for ships around Niagara. He cannot see any such motives and modes of living as I professes not to look upon beyond the securing of certain creature comforts. And so we go silently different ways with all sincerity and serenity. I in the still moonlight through the village this fair evening to write these thoughts in my journal, and he forsooth uh, sooth to future his schemes to ends as good, maybe, but different. So are we two made while the star same stars shine quietly over us? If I or he be wrong, nature yet consents placidly. She bites her lip and smiles to see how her children will agree. So does the Welland Canal get built and other conveniences while I live. Well and good, I must confess, fast sailing ships are hence not detained. What means this changing sky that now I freeze and contract and go within myself to warm me? And now I say it is a south wind, and go all soft and warm along the way. I sometimes wonder if I do not breathe the south wind. March 21. Who is old enough to have learned from experience? Have you learned from experience? Not alone. Did you learn anything? Huh? That's what he means by experience alone. No matter how old you are, you can learn. It's not enough. Who is old enough to have learned from experience? Yeah, that's a problem. If you only learn from experience, by the time you become knowledgeable, you're old. <laughs> only, so only fools learn from experience alone. You can learn from uh, other people's experience by reading biography and history. Mm -hmm. Very rapidly from history. 
Maybe you can read all of history and know all of experience and have it read by your 20 years old. <laughs> or how are you going to learn? It doesn't make sense. Life doesn't make sense. Uh -huh. The people should be born completely educated. Uh -huh. April 3rd, I have just heard the flicker among the oaks on the hillside ushering in a new dynasty. It is the age and youth of time. Why did nature set this lure for sickly mortals? Eternity cannot begin with more security and momentousness than the spring. The summer's eternity is established by this note. All sights and sounds are seen and heard, both in time and in eternity. When the eternity of any sight or sound strikes the ear, eye or ear, they are intoxicated with delight. Sometimes, as though a dim haze, we see objects in their eternal relations, and they stand like Stonehenge and the pyramids, and we wonder who set them up and what for. The destiny of the soul can never be studied by the reason, for its modes are not ecstatic. You think that's true? The destiny of the soul can never be studied by the reason. It doesn't figure out the destiny by reason, does it? <laughs> Do you have to go deep into mystical experience. <laughs> In the wise calculation or demonstration, I but play a game with myself. I am not to be taken captive by myself. I cannot convince myself. God must convince. I can calculate a problem in arithmetic, but not any morality. You can't calculate morality. <laughs> hmm. You can divine it. What was the guy saying that just to have empathy, you should have empathy with people if you don't have any religion or morality. At least to have some sort of empathy. <laughs> you have no training in morality. You should have natural empathy, or there's you something wrong with you. You can't calculate your degree of empathy. Virtue is incalculable as it is inestimable. Well, man's destiny is but virtue or manhood. I don't know, maybe you think in modern times they can calculate virtue. No, they can say, what are they... What are the acts of virtue, and they can just monitor you with their, with a, with a, you could have your phone monitor your virtue level. <laughs> it is wholly moral to be learned only by the life of the soul. <laughs> you think it could track how much you meditate and what you say to people and how you act and and everything you do. <laughs> And it reports it to the Pope. God cannot calculate it. He has no moral philosophy, no ethics. The reason before it can be applied to such a subject 
will have to fetter and restrict it. How can he step by step perform the long journey who has not conceived whither he is bound? How can he expect to perform an arduous journey without interruption who has no passport to the end? On one side of man is the actual, on the other the ideal. The former is the province of the reason. It is even a divine light when directed upon it, but it cannot reach forward into the ideal without blindness. The moon was made by rule by night, but the sun to rule by day. Reason will be but a pale cloud like the moon when one ray of the divine light comes to illuminate the soul. Remember, he's only like 24 here. You can't expect him to be a, a master of literary philosophy. It's a little juvenile in a way. Don't you think? But it's also very um, touching upon the heavy topics. How rich and lavish must be the system which can afford to let so many moons burn all the day as well as the night through. No man stands in need of their light. There is none of that kind of economy in nature that husbands its stock, but she uh, supplies inexhaustible means to the most frugal methods. Uh, the poor may learn of her frugality and the rich generosity. Having carefully determined the extent of her charity, she establishes it forever. Her almsgiving is an annuity. She supplies to the bee only so much wax as is necessary for itself, so that no poverty can stint it more. But the little economist who fed the evangelist in the desert still keeps in advance of the immigrant and fills the cavities of the forest for her repast. He's sort of saying nature supplies what you need. You notice how like it supplies, uh, feeds the birds and the plants and the plants are, get dry and it rain comes. and You know what I mean? God takes care of everything, uh, or nature does. September 29, today, there's a long gap there. See, April to September 29. Thoreau was depressed. Do uh, you think he was depressed at his brother's death? Today the lark sings again down in the meadow and the robin peeps and the bluebirds old and young have revisited their box as if they would fain repeat the summer without the intervention of winter if nature would let them. Beauty is a finer utility whose end we do not see. Beauty is a finer utility whose end we do not see. Can you interpret that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's it mean? Hmm. It's too early for me to understand things because I haven't had any coffee. You know? Beauty is a finer utility whose end we do not see. Hmm. 
Beauty is a utility. It's a fine see, utility. Everything can be a utility. We don't see the end of it. Well, we could have a you could have a beautiful flower. You contemplate beauty when you meditate. You could have a beautiful flower which attracts what? Birds and bees to pollinate it? It doesn't make you feel beautiful when you see a beautiful flower. Beauty makes you beautiful. You reflect it. But what if I see a beautiful woman and and I'm attracted to her? You have to. uh, A beautiful woman is also something very interesting to see and it uh, it should Hmm. make you beautiful. But it depends on the mind of the sick person that sees it. But I, it says sick, whose end, sick. whose end we do not see. But if I am attracted to a beautiful one, I don't see the end of that attraction. No. Whose end I do not uh, see. Some, some things they're just in, mm-hmm. in part of infinity. They're not mm. measured like uh, you can measure mm. moral, you can mm. measure beauty, you can measure, measure the feelings you have when you. All right, so we don't know the whole purpose of the beauty. So abstract idea, you can think of a lot of things. We'll have to study aesthetics, I guess. October seventh, a little girl has just brought me a purple finch or American linnet. These birds are now moving south. It reminds me of the pine and spruce and the juniper and cedar on whose berries it feeds. It has the crimson hues of the October evenings, and its plumage still shines as if it had caught and preserved some of their tints. Uh-huh. We know it came chiefly as a traveler. It reminds me of many things I had forgotten. Many a serene evening lies snugly packed under its wings. Grower writes like a man of common sense and good parts as a person, G.R. W E R. Crow writes like a man of common sense and good parts who have undertaken with steady and rather than high purpose to do narrative with rhyme. With little or no invention, following in the track of the old fablers, he employs his leisure and his pencraft to entertain his readers and speak a good word for the right. He has no fire or rather blaze, though occasionally some brands and peeps out from the ashes especially if you approach the heap in a dark day, and if you extend your hands over it, you experience a slight warmth there more than elsewhere. In fair weather, you may see a slight smoke go up here and there. He narrates what Chaucer sometimes sings. He tells his story with the fair understanding of the original, and sometimes it gains a little in blunt plainness and a point in his hands. Unlike the early Saxon and the later po- English, his poetry is but a plainer and director speech than other men's prose. He might have been a teamster and written his rhymes on his wagon seat as he went to mill with a load of plaster. The banks by retired roadsides are covered with asters, hazels, brakes, and huckleberry brush bushes emitting a dry and ripe scent. Facts must be learned directly and personally, but principles may be deduced from information. The collector of facts possesses a perfect physical organization, the philosopher a perfect intellectual one. One can walk, the other sit, one acts, the other thinks, but the poet in some degree does both and uses and generalizes the results of both. He generalizes the widest deductions of philosophy. 
Remember, Thoreau is a Harvard graduate, mm-hmm. and he studied classics, learning both Latin and Greek. So this explains his. He probably read uh, philosophy, which was making him. It. Do you think it made him philosophical? Mm-hmm. It opens up mind. Do you become philosophical after reading philosophy? Mm-hmm. You learn to think. Okay. October 21, the atmosphere is so dry and transparent and, as it were, inflammable at this season that a candle in the grass shines white and dazzling and pure and brighter the farther off it is. Its heat seems to have been extracted and only its harmless refulgent light left. It is a star dropped down. The ancients were more than poetically true when they called fire Vulcan's flower. Light is somewhat almost moral. Do you think light is moral? Light? I thought God was light, so so I suppose light is somewhat almost moral. It's the medium God works. Alright, so Light is more moral, so I should basically open the... Light allows all the things that allows. So I should open the window shades. I should open the curtains in the morning and let the light in. If it was not for light, there wouldn't be anything. Mm. The most intense as the fixed stars in our own sun has an unquestionable preeminence among the elements. At a certain stage in the generation of all life, no doubt, light, as well as heat, is developed. It guides to the first rudiments of life. This is a vitality in heat and light. Men are felt rather than understood as being most rapidly developed. They stand many deep. In many parts, the Merrimack is as as wild and natural as ever, and the shore and the surrounding scenery exhibit only the revolutions of nature. The pine stands up erect on its brink, and the alders and the willows fringe its edge. Only the beaver and the red man have departed. My friend knows me face to face, but many only venture to meet me under the shield of another's authority, backed by an invisible quarter cord a reserve of wise friends and relations i to such i say quote, farewell we shall dwell among in the world alone farewell we shall we cannot farewell we cannot dwell alone in the world sometimes by a pleasing sad wisdom we find ourselves carried beyond all counsel and sympathy our friends words do not reach us the truly noble and settled character of a man is not put forward as the king or conqueror does not march foremost in a procession. Hmm. This is beyond, I don't have a degree in philosophy from Harvard, so I don't understand any of it. <laughs> Anyways, we just read uh, 1842 in the journal of the best of Thoreau's journals, uh, Carl Buddy. Uh, only 23 minutes. Uh-huh. Mm.